Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% L.A. Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world of the five-time MLS Cup champion, L.A. Galaxy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Thursday, May 19th. L.A. Galaxy get a, uh, a brutal... 1-1 draw against Minnesota United in Minnesota on the road. Another midweek game. Galaxy get a point out of it. Maybe they should have got three points. Maybe they should have got no points. Uh, all those are probably valid arguments. Plus, this is my favorite show of the year. It's whenever the salaries drop. So I am here to be your educator tonight on MLS rules, on MLS salary caps, on salaries that were paid, and why almost everybody on the LA Galaxy got a race. We're going to talk about all of it. All right, get you through that. Then the Galaxy have a game coming up against the Houston Dynamo on Sunday. So again, a Wednesday, a Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday match, and then a Wednesday Open Cup game against LAFC. All that stuff is on deck for you. Busy time of the year. This is what it's about. We knew this time was coming. We knew there were going to be a lot of games. Open Cup has just made it that much busier with two additional games in a in a month that already had five. Uh, I'm flying solo tonight mostly because... and. Uh, it is absolutely the uh, the the only reason why I flew solo tonight is because I am selfish as heck whenever it comes to talking about salaries and everything else, and I don't want anybody like trying to take this show off the rails. I want to I want to be able to explain this to you, so you should get your notepads out. There will be a test at the end, um, open book to, uh, open book test though, so we'll we'll allow that to happen. But we want to talk about salaries. We want to talk about salary cap stuff. Some of the myths, some of the things that we can sort of glean from the rosters and how much people are making and how much money the Galaxy are spending compared to other teams uh, in different positions and all that fun stuff. So I'm glad you could join us. Um, I'm, I'm happy that you're here. Uh, it was probably a stressful Wednesday night for you. I think it was a stressful Wednesday night for the LA Galaxy. In fact, I'm, I'm sure it was a stressful night for the LA Galaxy. Uh, talking to Greg Vanny afterwards, you could sort of see that he was exhausted and he was just standing on the sideline. Talked to Jonathan Bond after the game as well. Interesting. Jonathan Bond, clearly the man in the match in this game, which is funny because if it wasn't Jonathan Bond, it probably would have been Sasha Kleshton, right? Um, and that's not often you say that for a substitution, but whenever you look at what happened in this game and sort of how it played out, it was fairly uh, fairly obvious that Sasha Kleshton came in and settled that game down. Um, you want to know the turning point? It was Sasha Kleshton. It was Victor Vasquez coming on in that second half. Galaxy had a horrible first half. 
actually a pretty decent second half overall uh, whenever you look at it. So we'll see. Uh, by the way, a $5 super chat. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll log this question for later in the show. Would you get rid of Cabral if that also meant getting rid of the pupusas at Diggs? Oh, man. I'm going to have to think about that one. Oh. All right, we'll we'll I'll, we'll save that one for later. Hopefully, we'll talk about uh, Kevin Cabral uh, and sort of the starting lineup. Let's get through to so so this is our our layout for tonight. I should I should start with that. This is our layout for tonight. If you're listening on the podcast, I'm going to do my absolute best to explain all the charts and I think I have like 47 different slides in here. It's funny, it feels like a PowerPoint presentation, uh, but I'll, I'll keep it exciting, uh, as exciting as MLS budget stuff can be. Um, but if you're if you want to see the charts, obviously seeing them is a good way to understand some of this stuff and might help you understand some of these things. Um, I'm not doing anything crazy or amazing on the charts. And then with the podcast, I will explain what I'm talking about as well. So we will get you through this regardless of whether you're watching um, or whether you're listening. All right, good. All right. First things first, Minnesota. We're going to talk about Minnesota. Then after we're done with Minnesota, we'll go through some charts and sort of figure out where the LA Galaxy are in terms of their season. And then we're going to talk about salaries and then we're going to preview Houston. Does that sound good for everybody? I'm glad. Uh, like I said, solo show. So it's going to be me. I have some audio. If I start coughing and doing all that stuff, I still have my cough. That's fun. My kid is sick again, just in case you were wondering, um, two year olds at preschool. What do you know? They're sick every about three weeks. So we're at that right now. And I, I would like to remind everybody going on vacation at the end of the month, I will not be at the Austin game. Uh, I don't know if I'll cover it, uh, in terms of, you know, on the road or wherever I'm at, if I'm able to do that. Um, and then there's a break for the Galilee galaxy. I have about 18 days off. Um, so it's a sort of a good time to take a little break and I will come back. So, all right. Uh, any Everton fans, by the way, in the chat room, Everton survives by the skin of their teeth coming back from two, nothing to save relegation. Relegation is fun. All right. Whenever you're not one of those teams, I just, I just would like to point out, I, I have always, you know, I understand the appeal of it. Um, just watching because I think that there was more excitement in that stadium for Everton staying up than than perhaps it would have been if had they made you know the top four and gone to uh, to Europe. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll keep going. Uh, LA Galaxy and Minnesota United play to a one-one draw. Both goals scored within four minutes of each other, and both goals scored within seven minutes of the final whistle. Uh, Sasha Kleshin got a penalty kick, eighty-third minute. This was a Chicharito penalty kick. It was a Chicharito header that was a clear handball. Um, and, uh, they rightfully brought it back after a very long, 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 long time of, uh, of waiting to finally get to look at it. But once, uh, the referee Jair Marufa went over and looked at it, it was pretty obvious. I thought that they were going to call it that way. Sasha Kleshin converts it. We can talk about Sasha Kleshin and Chicharito and whether or not Chicharito should be taking that, even though that's probably not his thing. Um, but the LA galaxy get the goal. Unfortunately, right about after that, Sasha Kleshin uh, came out or had well, came in as a second half substitute and then had to come out with an injury uh, to his hip flexor. He was talking to Nikki Kay in the Spectrum group afterwards. If you go on cornerofthegalaxy.com, we have the full video up that includes the Spectrum interview because they gave it to us. So um, that's on there. You can hear Greg Vandy. You can hear Jonathan Bond. I'll try to play some snippets here as we sort of go through and uh, and take a look at it. All right. All right. 1-1, and then Minnesota scored in the 87th minute, right? So 83rd minute penalty kick for Kleshin, 87th minute for uh, Minnesota. Let's get to the lineups because I thought this was an interesting lineup. I thought this... So in my mind, right now, outside of Nick DePew subbing in for Sega Koulibaly, who was out with yellow card accumulation, so you can expect Sega to be back for Houston. We'll just leave that nugget there right now. Uh, outside of Nick DePew in there, I think this is the first choice lineup with some caveats in there. 
Um, I don't think Victor Vasquez is going to be the starter that everybody sort of wants him to be, and maybe he can get back to playing 60 minutes. And if that's the case, then Grant Shearer, Cabral, one of those guys goes to the bench. I'd probably put Cabral to the bench. But then whenever you bring Cabral off the bench with 40 min- or with 30 minutes left, is that really what you want to do? But looking at this with Chicharito up top, you had Grant Shearer on the left-hand side. You had Douglas Costa in the center. You had Kevin Cabral on the right-hand side. We have not seen a lot of Kevin Cabral and, and Sam Grant Shearer playing together. And certainly we haven't seen Douglas Costa sitting in at the 10th spot from a design perspective of this is how we're going to play. We're going to have two wingers and we have an actual 10 that's going to sit there. And the idea is to keep Cabral and Grant Shearer on the outside, stretching out the defense. Uh, both have speed, both have the ability to get in behind. And they were going to hopefully see Douglas Costa find those guys back in behind the line. I like that. Uh, Ryan Revelison. Uh, Marky Delgado. Oh, I said it now too. Uh, penalty box for Josh. The problem is on my thing, it says Marco Delgado because that's what they call him officially. And I was like, it's not Marco. Um, so Mark Delgado in there at the, uh, at the eight, um, I'll, I'll take a penalty shot for myself. Um, so those two sitting in there, that was fine. Uh, Julian Rajo on the right side, right side at defense, Nick Depew at the center back, William, uh, Derek Williams in at the, the, uh, the left center back role. And then Raheem Edwards returns after injury, um, to start in this game as well. So Chase Gasper on the bench, Efrain Alvarez got pushed to the bench. I thought that was a smart decision. I have not seen a lot from Alvarez lately that would lead me to believe that he is in a starting caliber. Um, and especially whenever you have somebody like Victor Vasquez, who's starting to come back now. So I think you're going to see more of this lineup going forward, even though I think in this in this first half, certainly the LA Galaxy didn't get anything out of it. Um, so just sort of keep that in mind as as you're trying to, you know, picture this in your mind about how this is supposed to work. And it's funny because I actually asked Greg Vanny. In fact, we could go to that audio right now because I said, hey, Greg, you know, I saw that you put this together. I saw that where everybody was sort of starting and how they were playing. And so, you know, is there something to that? Is that what were you trying to get out of that? Um, and so here's what Greg Vanny had to say. Well, I was able to pull it up. Here's Greg Vanny talking about what he was trying to get out of Costa and Cabral and Grant Shear and sort of playing in this formation. I thought there were some good moments. What we were looking for is just is, you know, getting some running out of our wide positions, getting some depth running, getting some really threatening the back line with some running. Uh, I thought over the course of the game, it gave us some some good moments Um, in the first half. As I said, we lost too many balls through the midfield, which uh, which doesn't help for guys who are who are trying to create space and and looking to give you some vertical running if you're going to lose balls in in that first or second phase of your of your build out. So. Uh, but I thought in the second half, uh, again, I thought as we got across the field, we had, those guys were building some speed. We had some numbers in front of the goal, usually, not always in the right spots, but we had numbers there for when we got into crossing positions. Uh, we had some runouts where we were able to play into the, into the space behind. Um, so there was, they gave us some good, good actions. I thought, again, the, the objective there, sometimes we play like a playmaker off the outside and we don't get less, we get less vertical running. And so I was trying to, in this game, I thought at times we need to be dangerous in the counterattack, uh, and or just get some, some of that vertical running to open up some space. And there was certainly a lot of space on the field. That's, that's for sure in between, you know, in, in the midfield anyway. Yeah, so there you go. Greg Vanny talking a little bit about what he's trying to get. Again, vertical running. We've talked about this. This is one of the themes that I think we've covered in this podcast many times is that with Grand Sur, with Cabral, with the speed that they have, the ability to get those guys in behind. Now, 
the biggest problem with the LA Galaxy is they tend not to pass vertically, right? Um, even Douglas Costa in this game did not pass vertically, and that's been the downside. This is why the, probably the biggest need is either Victor Vasquez has to play 90 minutes or you need somebody to come in who's able to control that midfield and play in a vertical sense. And, and here's the thing. If you do that, if you do get somebody in there, let's play. Let's put Victor Vasquez in at the 10. Now, we know he doesn't sit at the 10. We know that sometimes he pulls out, and Greg was just talking about pulling out wide and then not necessarily getting that verticality. But with Vasquez, he is able to find the through ball. He is able to find the vertical ball and play people in behind. Not only that, but he opens up Chicharito. I mean, the LA Galaxy were li living in a desert through the first 60 minutes of this game of really creating chances, right? There wasn't a lot there. And that first half was horrible. It was... I know everybody says the Galaxy need to play faster, right? And I agree with that in general senses. But I feel like the Galaxy think they have to play faster. And when the Galaxy think they have to play faster, they end up playing almost too fast and they're not in control and they're not feeling the rhythm. It's like they're forcing the rhythm. It's like a white guy's dancing, right? It's it's just, you, you, they're trying. They, they hear the rhythm. They're trying to get there, but they're never going to get there. Uh, it's almost like it's it's too fast. It's like I'm, I'm nodding my head to the rhythm. I'm, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get it. It's like they're trying too hard to play fast, and I don't like that. Um, I think playing fast comes from the ability to, one, understand where everybody is, which I don't think the Galaxy had any idea what was going on in the first half, however that works, and that's clearly on Greg Vanny and how everything gets set up and what they're trying to do and the ideas within everybody's I, you know mind of what they're trying to do. The other thing is, that if you looked at Mark Delgado, who I think had the highest pass completion rate on the LA Galaxy, I think he also had like 99 touches in the game. Um, whenever we look at that, we're saying, okay, Delgado talked about being in a system where he understands where guys are playing. And a lot of times you'll see Delgado play a ball blindly and it won't be to the person that was that, that he was trying to get it to, right? And instead of using that as an indicator to say, oh, Mark Delgado sucks, which is what I see a lot of, use that as an indicator of that Mark Delgado knows the system almost as good as anybody outside of probably Victor Vasquez. And he knows where guys are supposed to be. And if the guys aren't there, then that's what's missing. It's these little spacing issues. Whenever Delgado misses a pass by like five yards, yes, sometimes he miss hits them, right? But a lot of times it's because somebody isn't in that right position. And you can see sort of the spacing. There's still confusion about where people are supposed to be. You're 12 games in. I understand it's starting to round out, but you need to start figuring this out. And I think Greg Vanny is going to be under a lot more pressure as this offense continues to struggle. Defense did their job again. Not great, but they did their job again. All right. We can talk about the goal that they gave up and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But the defense did their job again. It was up to the offense to score some goals. And in this game, up until about the 60th minute, there were not chances to score, which is crazy to think about because I'm going to tell you right now that when everything finished in this game, the expected goals for Minnesota was 2.69 and the expected goals for the Galaxy was 2.42. And if you're a Galaxy fan, you're sitting there going, well, Minnesota had the better chances. You know, they should have scored three or four goals. The Galaxy probably should have scored two or three goals in this game as well. Some huge misses, one from Julian Rajo, um, one from Jovalich uh, <laughs> um, whenever he came in as well. You know, there were some huge sitters and misses. There was the ball that rolled across the uh, the, the front of goal that Chicha never went to go get, right? There was that one as well. I mean, the fact is that if you looked at even the, you know, the XG on target, the spectacles on target, the LA Galaxy were basically even with Minnesota. As much as you want to say that Minnesota dominated this game through the first probably 40 or 60 minutes in terms of chances, not possession, Galaxy had the edge on that. But as much as you want to say that, the Galaxy created more chances in this game than maybe the last two or three games combined. 
Um, and I think you can owe that. Um, I think you can owe that to, to two things. One, Cabral coming off the field. Uh, and two, uh, Victor Vasquez and Sasha Kleshin coming in because it's that verticality. And if you're looking at why Victor Vasquez is able to make an impact or Sasha Kleshin is able to make an impact, look at who Sasha Kleshin came in for with Ryan Revelison. Greg Vanny talked about Sasha Kleshin. I said, you know, it seemed like whenever Sasha came in, everything sort of started to calm down. He's the one who settled you. And he said, you know, I couldn't agree with you more, which means, you know, Greg needs me. Really, it's it's obvious now. Um but what it, what it what it means is that Revelison was not getting the job done, and somebody asked uh, in, in the chat room, I forget who it was, but they were saying, you know, was Revelison sub because Greg was mad at him? Yes, it was. Um, it wasn't like he was mad at him; he was just like, you're not getting it done. I'm going to put somebody else in who can, and so they put Sasha Kleshin in there. That vertical passing ability immediately started to open things up. Um, whether that was finding Chicha on a back shoulder, whether it was finding Grant Sierra on the cut on the left side, whether it was moving Douglas cost out to the right side. I mean, so if we're going and, you know, I said, Hey, for a starting lineup, if you could get 90 minutes or if you can get 60 to 70 minutes out of Victor Vasquez, then the lineup here would be pushing Douglas Costa out to the right hand side, putting Victor Vasquez in at the 10 and putting Grant Sear at the left hand side. But Sam Grant Sear is not holding up his end of this bargain either. And when you look at, you know, Cabral and certainly I think, uh, I know I, I can tell Greg, Vanny's going to Vanny's going to stay with him. He's he's, he's a project guy um, and that's going to be up to Greg Vanny to to figure that out. Um, he's got to figure out how long he can push that and how how good that is for Cabral and how good that is for the rest of the team. Bottom line, the Galaxy need to score goals. I think they're going to score, score goals with Victor Vasquez back. I think they're going to do that. If Victor gets hurt, I don't think they're going to score goals. It, it's coming down to one person right now, and that person is Victor Vasquez. But the other part about this is that if you're going to go out in the summer and get somebody, what kind of person are you getting? Right? And somebody said, oh, well, you know, Greg talks about defensive midfielders all the time. Who are you going to push up into the role that's going to play 90 minutes, and how is that going to work? Um, you know, you can bench Cabral. That's fine. You can bench Costa if you want. Um, and there's certainly some arguments about Douglas Costa and his shot selection, but that's his second 90 minute game in a row. He was heavily involved in that second half once Vasquez came in, but I thought he was MIA for a lot of that first half. Um, and I, in fact, that sometimes it was hard to find Douglas Costa on the field whenever you're watching on the screen. And it was because he wasn't in the frame. He wasn't near the ball. He wasn't get there getting the touches, the things that he was supposed to be doing. Um, so I think there's a lot that has to be done still for Douglas Costa to be rounded in. But the bottom line is right now that Costa seems to at least be trending in the right direction. Right. Um, so it, it, it's, it's a struggle bus here in the first, you know, 60 minutes of this. It was not a pretty game and it hasn't been a pretty game. And I'll say some of that is because you're on the road. Some of that is because it looked like the guys were tired and that was for Minnesota as well. It looked like Minnesota was tired. Um, just a lot of things that sort of put it out. Now, Jonathan Bond comes in with six saves. Huge night for Jonathan Bond. Huge night for Jonathan Bond. Um, the Galaxy haven't really had to rely on him that much this year, and they did in this game, and he came up huge. That's okay. I just want to see the defense <laughs> get a little better. Um, I think Nick Dupuy in there hurt the defense. Uh, I think passing out of the back, it hurt the defense. And I think on defending, it hurt the defense. So Sega Koulibaly coming back and being available for, available for Houston is 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 big um and that's one of those things that it was uh that was that, that needs to happen so again let's go to greg vanny a little bit um and i was asking him about sasha question 
Uh, and I said, you know, it seemed like he settled the game down. But here's what Greg had to say. And he, he talked about, you know, the whole thing. And he talked about his injury a little bit. And I, I think I even have a follow-up in here. So let's hear from uh, Greg Bandy on Sasha Kleshner. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Sash really settled the game. I felt like, you know, with Ryan, we took him off at halftime. He was he was on a yellow card. We were doing a lot of defending. Uh, I felt like just the completion ratio wasn't high enough uh, from Ryan, and, and I felt like a lot of our the pressure that was coming on top of us in the first half was just losses of possession. And so we needed to try to get better ball security out there. Sash gave us some of that. I thought he and Marky connected better in, in terms of getting us uh, out of situations across the field, things like that. Uh, I thought Sash did a really nice job. He He's been nursing uh, since the last game a little bit of a just a hip issue um, coming off the plane, actually. It wasn't even the last game, coming off the plane. And he's been get, getting treatment the last couple of days. He said he was all right. I think when he hit the penalty, he felt it a bit. And then as he started to, he started to cut the next, next few minutes and try to change directions, I think he tried to hit one more clearance and that was, that was the end. He was, he couldn't go anymore. So that forced, that forced one of the substitutions and, and uh, the other, I was just trying to get some fresh legs on top just to chase the ball around and, and, uh, and that didn't, uh, yeah, and that, that was the other one for, for that. But I thought Sash did a great job of helping us settle down the midfield. Do you know about severity or anything like that, or is it just, I, just too early? So. I don't, I don't really, because I, I don't know, I didn't even know, I knew that he had some hip issues, but I didn't know as to even what he, exactly he was dealing with. So I don't know if it's muscular in nature, if it's, if it's joint related. I, I'm not, I'm not sure, so I don't have a great answer for that. All right, there's Greg Vanny, and and it was funny because Sasha Kleshen actually went on Spectrum and said, "Yeah, it's a hip flexor thing, and he's been working on it and stuff like that." Um, and we've talked about this before because uh, American Blues is saying, you know, he called him Marky. Uh, Greg Vanny has known Mark Delgado since he was a little tiny like dude, so he's allowed to call him Marky. It's it's one of those things. It's like he's known him for his whole life. Um, so that's that's one of those things that, that we uh, that we look at. Um, but Sasha Kleshen coming in changed that game. Victor Vasquez changed that game. Uh, those are the obvious things. I think the non-obvious things is Chicharito is going to sleep slowly, um, and he's he's frustrated. Uh, and when you see that from him, it's it's not a good look. He needs a goal. He needs a goal. It, well, he shouldn't have taken the PK because we all know that his penalties. That's not his thing, and I think he knows that. And I think Sasha commands, by the way, enough respect across this entire team. Uh, Dayan Jovlich was talking about it at the Open Cup game, but. He called, you know, Sasha basically his dad. He goes, he's another dad for me. Um, he, you know, he takes care of me and he has so much respect for him. And he says that he outworks everybody, that type of thing. So Sasha, if Sasha wants to take it, Sasha can take it, which is interesting to think whenever you think about Chicharito and, and, and the star power he is. But Chicha's thing is not penalty kicks. So, but Chicha needs a goal. Uh, maybe the ball that was headed and stopped by a hand, maybe that one was going towards the goal. We'll never know. It was such a short distance between it. Um, that wasn't there, but Chicha has not looked good. And a lot of that has been because the service has been abhorrent. Um, they are not finding Chicha in spots where he can be dangerous. Uh, you see Victor Vasquez come in all of a sudden Chicha's dangerous again. So, um, the galaxy need a player like Victor Vasquez that can go 90 minutes. Uh, that's what you should be looking for in the, in, you know, in the summertime. And it, you know, a max Tam deals what you're looking at. You have $1.6 million max Tam in order to figure that out. Um, just looking at some of the LA Galaxy's top players and, and just how things are, Sasha Kleshin came in as a sub and had three shots. He had two shots on target just as a sub, right? Chances created. Julian Araujo had three. A lot of that came from the right-hand side. 
Uh, he had one of his better games as well. Julian Araujo played well, I think, on both sides of the half. Uh, Sam Grandsir had two two chances created. Douglas Costa had two chances created. Raheem Edwards, one chance. Ryan Revelson, one chance. So there were chances created in this game, and that's not something that we have seen. You know, completed passes is Mark Delgado at 77. Douglas Costa is the next highest at 37. Your number 10 cannot get 37 completed passes. Your number... 10 cannot get 17 completed passes in the final third. All right. Um, he did have apparently eight crosses attempted, so he was trying to put stuff in there. But a lot of the things that you saw from Douglas Costa was not, you know, the through balls that were going to open up space. And I think that they misused Grant Scher and Cabral in this. Um, I, again, I think if you're trying to put, you know, your best lineup on the on the field, then Costa out to one of the sides, sitting Cabral and bringing in Victor Vasquez is that right now. But how long can you play that knowing that Victor Vasquez is, what, 35 years old, right? So something to keep in mind whenever we're paying attention to all this. By the way, Raheem Edwards coming back onto the field and playing, what, 70-something minutes? I'm looking for my chart that I have. Let's go see. Uh, Raheem Edwards comes out 75 minutes. Chase Gasper comes in. Gasper played fine, by the way, coming in. And I know a lot of people were worried about him. Um, I thought he was he was okay. Just, you know, non-existent at the left back. That's probably okay for coming in at the time he came in. Uh, Victor Vasquez coming in for Gabral in the 70th minute. So you got Victor the last 20 minutes. Sasha Kleshin comes in at halftime for Revelison. Sasha Kleshin has to go out again whenever uh, after he scores and after uh, after all that fun. So Kleshin comes back out. Uh, Jovalich comes on. Jovalich had a chance to win this game. Julian Araujo had a chance to win this game. Uh, there were several chances here for the LA Galaxy to win this game, and they didn't do it. Uh, you can look at the offense as taking a very, very tiny step in the right direction in terms of chances created. It's a, it's a minor step. But if you look at the expected goals, way higher than it has been. The mostly expected goals have been like 0.5 and 0.8 for the entire game. The LA Galaxy had, you know, over 2, um, 2.4, I think, was the, was the expected goals on the total there. So they, they created better. But again, all of that creation, and let me show you the, the expected goals chart because it's, it's, it's humorous to me. Uh, 60 minutes, basically a little after 60 minutes is whenever things actually start to pick up. Um, then that's that miss by Julian Araujo, which he was about three yards off the, uh, off the goal line from, um, that he had a chance to score there. Uh, the penalty kick, which is 0.7, by the way, if you ever want to know what penalty kicks are in expected goals, it's 0.7. That's the chance that the LA Galaxy had. Julian's chance was higher. It was a 0.77 from where he was because he was three yards out, right? So. That's there. Um, and then you had the Yovelich chance there at the end. So 2.4 to 2.7 roughly uh, to Minnesota. So I know Adrian Heath was crowing, trying to say that reporters were like, oh, you guys are just saying nice things about the Galaxy because they're one of the best teams they have been over the course of the league. But we absolutely dominated them. Anybody who says so wasn't paying attention. I love that. I love when coaches are like, if you don't agree with me, you weren't paying attention. It's like, calm down. Calm down, Adrian. Your guys totally messed up their finishing. And because of that, the chances and this game were fairly even despite the fact that you had almost none of the ball. Um, Cause the galaxy really did do a good job in terms of holding that possession, but possession for, for what point, you know, Robin Laud should have had a couple goals, um, but he didn't cause Jonathan Bond played well and he also sucked on a couple. Um, so, that's something to keep on. Your leader uh, in expected goals was Sasha Klesch, and your second guy was right there, Julian Araujo, and then Dayon Jovalich. Remember, those were one chance each for Araujo and Jovalich, and they got a .43 and a .75. So that's what we take a look at that. I want you, if you have small children around you, you might want to avert your eyes from the next chart because it is ugly. 
Ugly, ugly, ugly. Uh, we'll go for the average position in touches. It is a cluster in the center of that field. Whenever you have Revelison and Delgado and then Chicharito dropping back again, average positions doesn't mean they were on top of each other, but it means that they were occupying the same space, not at the same time, but in their overall position, right? So as you run forward, if, you, if you're a guy who, who spends 50% of his time on the far touch line and 50% time on the near touch line, then your average position is at the center of the field, right? So uh, that can be a little deceiving, but the problem is here that you had Douglas Costa as the furthest forward player, right, at the 10. Um, and then you had Grant Sir sort of in there. It's just... It's just this diamond, loosey goosey, gross formation. It just it doesn't have good definition. There's too much eh in the middle, right? There's too many guys who are in the middle that were occupying that space at one time or another. I have no problems with Delgado being there. I have no problems with Revelison. But is there some change in level there? Where is Revelison? Where is Delgado? Where are they moving things? I mean, Sasha Kleshin only played for what thirty minutes, right? And his average position was on the other side of the um, of the the midfield line, right? So he's at least in the the attacking position. Cabral being his average position, being tucked inside, way too much time. Cabral running into Chicha's space and Costa's space was maddening. Um, and I don't know if they're trying to do that. If they're trying to get interchanged through there, and it can work. But what are you trying to do with it? And why is Grant Sears tucked so far? If Vanny wanted the verticality that he wanted out of this lineup. Why are Cabral and Grant Sir tucked so far inside in their average position? Why aren't they out wider? Right? So that's what that's what I want to go back and see. That's what I want Vandy to explain and, and sort of take a look at is why didn't this work? And one of the reasons it didn't work is you have way too many guys clogged in the middle there. Right? It's it's whenever you look at the average positions, I mean, Costa on top of, you know, basically. And by the way, Victor Vasquez comes in and then occupies the space for Costa. The only reason Costa shaded a little bit to the right in this is probably because he ended up playing on the right hand side. So that shades him a little bit to the right hand side whenever you go. Um, Julian Rajo up in the midfield, by the way. There's that guy. Remember, remember I said if you spend half your time on the on the opposing touchline and half your time on the on the back touchline, um, that you uh that you end up at midfield. There's Julian Rajo for you. Midfield. By the way, also if you stand on the midfield line the entire game, you would also end up there. Um, but in this case, it's Julian Rajo getting up and back and everything in between. Okay, so listen, not doom and gloom as much as I think everybody wants it to be. Uh, you're on the road, uh, and the LA Galaxy are actually a good road team. Um, so this is the the <laughs> I I know everybody finds these these things crazy. I actually looked this up. It's not like the, the LA Galaxy are tied for the third best road record in Major League Soccer right now in terms of points. Right. So uh, the L.A. Galaxy are tied with Montreal and Orlando um, and they all have, uh, let's see, 11 points. They all have 11 points from their road record. That's a that's a big deal, especially when you realize the L.A. Galaxy have at this point played two more road games than they have home games. Um, So the 11 points is real, which means they've only got nine points at home. The bigger issue for the L.A. Galaxy, if they can keep this up, right, if they can keep up this. this road record, um, then there's something to this. All right. Because right now they're averaging 1.57 points per game on the road. They have 11 points off of that roadside. That 1.57 points per game is a tremendous number. Now I expect it to adjust. I expect it to come down. Road form is usually momentary. It's fleeting. It doesn't stay. But if you are a decent enough road team trying to get points, is a big deal. I, I, I pay attention to the stat and I don't think it's anybody. Anybody keeps track of this. It's just me. 
and it, it means nothing, but I like to know what the answer is, right? And you have your win percentage and your loss percentage, right? The LA Galaxy have the, have a 50% win percentage right now. They have a 33% loss percentage, right? But I like to take the draws and the wins and combine them into one. Your percentage of getting a point. What is What are the chances that you're going to get a point or better in the season? And it doesn't correlate to a lot of things except some of the better teams like 2011, 85.3% of the time they got a point or better. Uh, in 2012, you know, 2012 was not a great year for the LA galaxy in terms of how they actually played. Right. But 60, almost 65% of the time they got a point, um, a point or better. Uh, whenever you look at, uh, 2014, almost 80% of the time they got a point or better right now, the LA galaxy at the point or better at 66.7%. All right. And that's not great. Cause 2017 ended 64.7%, but most of that and most of the reason that's coming in right now is their win percentage is low because their home record is not good. So the LA Galaxy have are, are three, two and oh, three wins, two losses at home. Pull nine points. Uh, they have a home game coming up this weekend. Then another home game with Austin sandwich in between is a home game with us open cup as well, right? So three games in a week, but the open cup won't go to any of these things, but this is something that you, I want to see is, is paying attention to this. How often do the LA galaxy get a point or better? Um, if you have a lot of games where you only get one point, you're not as good as if you're a team that gets obviously more wins, simple things, but just, I try to keep track of something. Um, whenever you look at all of this stuff and, and for me, that's something that I, I think is a hidden talent for good teams, which is they have a good win percentage at home and they have a high percentage of getting a point or better. So when you play bad, you get a point, right? That's the good teams. When you play bad, you get a point. It's not like you're going to get blown out three to one at home. Galaxy can't do that. And it's something that we've seen. And it, again, it sort of brings in the questions of, of, you know, can this LA Galaxy team be an elite team and can they play that way? Um, little shout out to Sean Steffen. Um, he is a former MLS analytics, um, employee, uh, working for some, some MLS teams. He pulled this chart on Douglas Costa. Um, basically he's looking at non set piece shots, right? And the idea here from Douglas Costa is how affected have as Douglas Costa. I've seen in the chat room. People are like, man, I liked his shots from distance. I, I agree. I agree. That's it's 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 fun to see. It's what you want. The problem is the percentage of those the the chance that that those are going to go in is very low, right? In fact, 0.03 from basically his favorite spot, which is just right of the semicircle, about five to six yards outside the box. Right? He can score from there. Absolutely, absolutely could. Okay, but the bottom line is they're low percentage shots. So if you have an analytics department and the Galaxy don't, that I know of. Um, and if they do, they keep it so quiet. Um, but if you have an analytics department, this is something that you go to Douglas Costa with and you say, hey, Douglas, we like that you're taking shots. You are putting a lot of power behind them. You're going to end up scoring some of those. But we need to save those for certain times because you're getting in these positions and it's probably better for you to either pass or to try and break a line in this particular case, try to beat somebody and get closer because as you get closer, your chances of scoring increase, right? So he can hit those bombs. Now here's, here's in his defense, because I believe this is true. Douglas Costa takes long shots whenever he doesn't have any other options and he doesn't have any other options because people are not running. We're going to go back to Sasha question and what Sasha said after the Dallas game, which is, um, you know, you have to, a lot of times the pass um, or, or the run needs to dictate the pass, right? And when we see the LA Galaxy, especially in this Minnesota game, what do we see? We see a pass dictating the run. It's opposite, right? 
the one time in the Dallas game where we were like, yes, that's the run that needs to be made was Douglas Costa cutting through the center and Chicharito finding him, right? You saw the run early. The run was into space. The defenders were already chasing because the run was already there. If you were able to do it the other way, defenders can stay ahead of you. Okay, so that's in defense of Douglas Costa. But the answer for Douglas Costa is to get closer to the goal. And his shots from there are fun. And he will eventually score one. Uh, but that may be his only goal this season uh, from the run of play is whenever he hits one from 35 yards out. So uh, somebody in our Discord says, just wait until he goes and fakes that shot and hits a you know through ball to Chicha that's running on the opposite direction. Absolutely here for it. Absolutely there. I like shots from outside the box. I think if you can keep them on target, which Douglas Costa does, they can they can they can be a benefit. But we if you're if you're doing things in this way, if you're using analytics, which I'm not saying the Galaxy are, but if you're using analytics, you have to look at this and say we're wasting some of these chances. Um, and so I am I am absolutely 100% for him taking some shots from outside, but he's going to score one this season if he keeps that up. Right? And so his passing his ability to break through, his hopeful ability to get past somebody, which he hasn't shown a lot of, but it seems like he's he's getting a little more comfortable. That's what you want to see from him there. So, yeah, take the shot from there every once in a while. Hey, Douglas, you're allowed one or two of those shots every single game. Otherwise, let's figure out a way to get that ball closer and let's make sure that you're getting support. You know, I have no problem with Douglas Costa, by the way, shooting from there if he's not doesn't have the support. Um, absolutely none. Um, so I am, I, you know, something needs to happen. And, and in my mind, Douglas Costa, the center of midfield is still the problem for the LA galaxy. I'm okay with the defense. I'm okay with Chicharito. I'm semi okay with Sam Grantier. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm uneasy about Douglas Costa and Kevin Cabral is at the point now where Greg Vanny has to make a decision. What does he want to do with him? Uh, by the way, I, I want to keep the pupusas. If if uh, Marty, if the question is still there, I want to keep the pupusas. Uh, if that means that Kevin Cabral has to ride on the bench for me to have pupusas, then I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Um, I know that's probably not the answer you all wanted to hear, but um, it's the answer I wanted to give. So um, that's it. That's sort of where we, where we want to sit with this Minnesota game. Okay, not the not not a great game. Super frustrating first sixty minutes. Uh, I like the I like the adjustment in the second half. Um, with Sasha Kleshin and Victor Vasquez, but that's not an everyday solution. So, you know, this LA Galaxy team, the the stats continue to sort of push this team in a team that looks really bad, but might be a good team whenever all is said and done. Um, but we're not we're not there yet. We're not at that point. I'm waiting for that breakthrough game. Maybe that breakthrough game comes against Houston. Uh, maybe it all clicks against Houston. Maybe everybody's fed up against Houston, but you're going to have some tired legs. And is how is Greg Vandy going to set up Houston whenever he knows he has LAFC and U.S. Open Cup coming midweek as well? All right. All right. Good. Glad we had that chat. That was fun. Uh, let's see. Do I want to get through some charts real quick? Do I have any good charts that I'm like, you absolutely have to see? There's some good charts. Uh, let's go to this one. <clears throat> the points per month for the LA Galaxy, um, sitting at one, a win, a loss, and a draw right now, 1.33 points per game average through three games played, four points in the month. Um, still have two games remaining, one coming up against Houston on Sunday and then uh, finishing everything else out against uh, Austin uh, after that. So some home games coming up. I would say that the LA Galaxy need to take advantage of these, but so far uh, their home record is sort of hit and miss. It's like win one game, lose one game, win one game, lose one game. So it would be very good for the LA Galaxy if they close out their last, um, you know, the last two games of this uh, this schedule of this month and then going into the break with two wins. 
Um, and then also, you know, win the Open Cup game as well, right? You, you got to win the Open Cup game. That happens as well. Uh, looking at the schedule real quick, uh, Houston, then LAFC, then Austin, Austin on the 29th. Uh, there's a big break, 18 days until uh, until June 18th, where the LA Galaxy then get that uh, game and host against Portland. So really, when you look at it, the LA Galaxy are going to have four home games in a row. There's just going to be, you know, a three-week break basically in between. Uh, for an international break, all that fun stuff. So uh, June will be an interesting month. Uh, and uh, I think there's open cup games in there if the LA Galaxy should make it by it. So keep that in line. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo, I'm looking through some other stuff here. Uh, July schedule we can get to later. I don't want to get too much into that. The good news for the LA Galaxy is they picked up points on almost everybody. Austin was the one who beat LAFC at home. Um, so that was a 2-1 uh, win on the road for Austin, beat LAFC at Bank of California, 2-1. Um, LAFC has looked uninterested in their last two games, which is a interesting little take uh, whenever you're we're supposed to be the best team in the world. Um, so uh, LAFC sits at 23 points, Austin now above them in first place at 23 points. FC Dallas, the Galaxy just lost to them, 3-1. Uh, sitting on 22 points, Galaxy pick up one point. So they picked up a point on Dallas. They picked up a point on LAFC, so they're now within one win of LAFC, um, which makes it all the much more fun. Uh, RSL, 19 points right behind them. Nashville, uh, 18 points. Nashville is going to be a good team. Everybody keep an eye on it. They've only played three home games so far because they were building their stadium. So Nashville is going to be good. Um, Colorado uh, just lost to Seattle. So it was a lot of the lower uh, the lower level teams there. Um uh, sort of taking it, by the way, it was Houston who just lost to Seattle. I was mixing up my teams. Uh, Minnesota in ninth, the LA Galaxy just drew them at home. Uh, Portland in 10th, Seattle is going to start coming on. San Jose is a good home team, a horrible road team. Kansas City is a dumpster fire that occasionally plays good, and they played uh, Colorado. There were four red cards in that game. That was an interesting one. And then Vancouver is the basement dweller in the Western Conference. So <laughs> Vancouver at 11 points right now. 11 points. Um, so just nine points basically behind the LA Galaxy. Three wins. Nothing separated by very far right now. LA Galaxy at 1.67 points per game. Uh, Austin at 1.92. Dallas at 1.83. Um, so that's sort of where we sit whenever we look at it. All right. <sighs> I, I, it is important. That I'm going to follow up Nathan and said, you know, one thing about the LA Galaxy, they have beat some teams. They beat Austin. They beat LAFC. They didn't beat Dallas. Uh, it's funny because 538 still has the LA Galaxy as a better team than Dallas, but it shows Dallas with a better offense and a better defense. Um, but in the overall rankings and still how it sits, the LA Galaxy are above Dallas. I find all of that stuff interesting, just trying to keep an eye. And listen, 538 got New York City right last year. And if we go to a 538 right now, we can see New York City again is at the top. And in fact, is the better team by a bunch. 56.8 is their SPI, which is their little index. Uh, 1.7 on offense, 1.2 on defense. Uh, the LA Galaxy, 1.3 on offense, much different than 1.7 and 1.4 on defense. Um, basically, uh, 538 is saying there's a lot of mediocre teams and the LA Galaxy might be the, the, the kings of the mediocre teams um, right now. So that's what it is. They think their goal differential is going to be a plus nine. They think they're going to finish with about 55 points. And then as of right now, they're saying they have a 14% of a first round by 6% chance at a supporter shield and 6% chance to win MLS Cup, just in case you're playing at home. But they have New York City, LAFC, Philadelphia, New York Red Bulls, LA Galaxy, FC Dallas, Nashville, Montreal, and Columbus in that order in terms of their best teams. All right. All right. Hmm. Everybody take a nice deep breath because we are about to go into my favorite place, uh, which is going to be the roster rolls and a whole bunch of other stuff. So MLS uh, Players Association released their 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 full breadth of salaries for the first release. 
this allows us to look at a whole bunch of things. It tells us how much people are getting paid because we didn't know how much people like Douglas Costa were being paid. We thought it was $5 million a year. It was $3 million a year. I, I think it's funny that most years, whenever we'd be off by $2 million, everybody would be like, okay, $3 million. You know, it's not so bad. Um, but everybody's still angry about the $3 million too. So that's good. Uh, it shows raises across the board for most of these. I will tell you why it shows raises across the board for only things. Let's, though, start with something that I think needs a real quick primer on it. I just want to go over some of the roster rules and some of the highlights, okay? There is a salary cap in this league, right? We know that there's a salary cap. It's not really a salary cap, by the way. They call it a budget. Um, and that budget is set, a club salary budget is set at $4.9 million. Now, they get so much general allocation money and they get so many things that can offset general allocation money, targeted allocation money, designated players and how that all sort of plays um, into what your salary cap is or the salary budget at $4.9 million. I would like to reiterate that only players 1 through 20 actually count against your salary cap as well. 21 through 30, those 10 players do not count against your salary cap and there's restrictions basically on how much how many are or how many people you're allowed to put in that that uh those those senior roster positions and then the the supplemental roster positions and those different things there's there's different levels to how that goes and so you know you have to understand like you know somebody like Eric Zavaleta I think is a, a supplemental you know senior player that type of thing he may not be on the senior roster right so he technically he's not one of the 20 players that counts as a uh, as a salary cap I just used him as an example actually I think he's a senior roster player but I just wanted to to clear that up. So only the top 20 players, only the top senior roster players get um, count against the cap. You have to fill 18 of those. You don't have to fill spots 19 and 20. Um, if you don't fill 18, they actually charge you like the minimum salary charge for, for those senior roster spots, which I think is about $84,000. Um, and so <clears throat> you're going to get a budget charge against that as uh, uh, already. The other part about this is that there is... Um, with all that general allocation money, it allows you to pay down all these budget charges and stuff like that, right? We know our max budget charge you're allowed to charge against the salary cap is $612,000, $500,000. Do you know why it's that number? In the CBA, it's hysterical. The CBA calls out that the that no player can have more than 12.5% of the budget. And you're like, okay, well, what's why why 12.5%? Well, if you do 4.9 million multiply by 12.5%, you get $612,500. That is what the max budget charge is. It's done by a percentage, which is really interesting as well. Um, you know, we talk about homegrown players. We talk about um, all the different players, the U22 players. All of these are mechanisms that are used to not put the full breadth of the salary that you are paying somebody on that budget. And then even if you did put a lot of it on their budget, you're able to use stuff like general allocation money or targeted allocation money to basically pay down against that budget. So those are the things that you're trying to say. The other thing I want to point out is that whenever we look at salaries that come from the MLS Players Association, we know that we get them in two different columns, right? We get a base salary and we get a guaranteed salary. Now, I think a lot of people have taken to using the base salary as the number that you would use to try to calculate a salary cap. I'm going to tell you why that's not the case. In fact, it's probably not the guaranteed one either that would also uh, do that. But everything, they take your base salary. First of all, the base salary, they take the base salary and they multiply it by 4%. It's in the rules. It's in the CBA. All right. Um, 
So, so it's literally right there. So how do we figure out what the player's salary budget charge is in an individual case? We take the player's annualized base salary and multiply it by 1.04. So they're multiplying it by 4%. So you're getting, you're adding 4% onto it. Why? I have no idea, but that's what they do. Then they add to it any signing bonuses paid or payable to the player on a cash flow basis, adding to it any readily achievable individual bonuses in the player's contract, calculated largely but not solely by reference to the player's performance of the previous year. If you say, hey, you get a signing bonus, you, you're going to get $50,000 if you play 12 games and you played 20 games every year, then they're going to be like, well, you're going to get that. So we're going to add that to your base salary charge as well. Then there's adding into it any housing or car allowance on players contract, adding to it any loyalty bonus, additional compensation, including roster bonuses, adding any marketing bonus, adding in acquisition costs for loans or transfer fees, right? Adding in the cost of processing a visa or green card. Did you, did you catch that? That goes into your base salary, adding to the cost of it of processing a visa or green card, adding to it a fee payable to an agent or representative. Those fees also get added to your base salary. So when we look at base salary, we do not have anything close to what is probably the actual salary cap hit. Okay. So I want you to keep that in mind because we try to estimate these things in terms of salary cap. We really have no idea. One, there's hidden amounts of general allocation money as well. Um, <laughs> let me see if I can find all the fun things or why you would get, um, general allocation money. There's stuff like, Oh, you missed the playoffs. So you get general allocation money. Oh, um, you had a player, you know, drafted in the super draft. So, um, or, or you had a player picked up in, in one of the expansion drafts. So you get allocation money. Um, you know, Oh, you're in CONCACAF champions league. <laughs> then you get allocation money, right? So these, these types of things, bump these 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 numbers out of whack so really what mls does and by the way that it says specifically in one of the notes that they do not tell people what <coughs> what the total amount of general allocation money is because you know for negotiations and stuff like that they want to make sure that everybody has um you know that everybody has a, a fair negotiation whenever you're going against teams they don't want the teams to know what it is all right so anyway, so 4%, yep. so, so Anthony, Anthony says, you know, it hedges 4% inflation, you know, Hey, if inflation was only 4%, we'd be right there. Right. Um, so anyway, so that's, that's how they're calculating these. So when you look at base salary, it's not the budget charge. Could it be close? Yes. And in some cases it's easy to calculate because some of these guys are very easily put into to buckets because you're like, oh, well, Chicharito makes $6 million. So how much does he cost to get the salary cap? Well, he's a designated player. So he costs $612,500. Thank you very much. Any designated player costs $612,500. Uh, except as a young designated player only costs $150,000 against the cap. Um, there's also a $150,000 uh, charge that basically MLS collects for a third DP slot. Right. So there's stuff like that. Uh, we know that Douglas Costa is making three million dollars. We can tell you right now. I can go through here and tell you what everybody who got the biggest raises and sort of where those all sit. Right. One of the guys who got the biggest raise was Raheem Edwards. Um, Edwards was on basically about a 90 something a ninety six thousand. Let me see if I can uh, pull it off my chart. Yeah. Ninety six thousand three hundred seventy five dollar contract. With LAFC, whenever he came to the LA Galaxy, he has a base contract of two hundred and seventy-five thousand and three hundred and seven thousand is his guaranteed compensation. So he got a raise of, on the base salary side, one hundred and seventy-eight thousand dollars, and on the you know on the <laughs> excuse me on the guaranteed salary side of two hundred eleven thousand dollars. He is one of the biggest raises on this team. Um, 
you know, but there's other guys just in terms of Mark Delgado. Mark Delgado was making $500,000 for Toronto. He's now making $650,000 for the LA Galaxy in base salary. He went from 581 in guaranteed money uh, with Toronto to 726000 in guaranteed money. That's a lot of money. The Galaxy are a salary cap compliant. They also have 30 players on the roster. Um, it would seem right now that the Via Fania deal and Via Fania got placed on the season ending injury list. We know about the season ending injury list. If you remember Robbie Rogers, right? So, um, Robbie Rogers got injured. The LA galaxy were able to go ahead and put him on the season ending injury list. They were able to sign a replacement player and they got cap relief. They put Pele Van Anholt in and then he got hurt like two games in or three games in or something like that. That's how the replacement player worked in, in that case. The thing is that whenever the LA Galaxy announced this particular move, whenever they brought in Chase Gasper, um, there were a whole bunch of rules that sort of had to be checked off in order to get salary relief. I'm not sure that they did it because the Galaxy claimed they they the Galaxy did not claim that they got salary relief. What they likely got was the roster spot. So and and listen, there's a chance they got salary relief and they just didn't say it, right? But the the bottom line is that you know with Via Fania making mm-hmm, four hundred seventy five thousand dollars a year. I think is what it was. Um, 450, 486, right? So 486 right now um, in guaranteed salary. At 486, uh, Chase Gasper coming in and getting, you know, a $375,000 contract, which was basically a contract from um, from Minnesota. Uh, and the Galaxy picked that up. Now, the Galaxy are not responsible for that entire salary this year. In fact, they're only responsible for $220,000, which is interesting because one of the things is that they, if you want to have a replacement player and get salary cap relief, you, the player can't make more than $250,000. Well, Gasper technically makes $375,000, right? Um, so if Gasper makes $375,000, then he's above that two, two hundred and fifty. but the Galaxy are only responsible for two twenty. So which number is MLS using in order to calculate that? That being said, Galaxy are calorie sap, uh, cal- salary cap compliant through all of these. The one guy, there was only one guy on this entire team who took a pay cut and it was a large pay cut. Somebody on this team took $163,000 pay cut and they were only making just shy of $250,000 whenever they did that. Sasha Kleschen is on this team right now for $84,000. They have not announced whether or not he is in any sort of the league has a a coaching program or a mentor program that he's allowed to be in. Um and if he's allowed to be in that, and if he's in that, he can make up to $75,000 for his coaching duties of like the academy teams and stuff like that, right? He can do it. There's a whole bunch of rules that can do that. And so maybe there's a chance the LA Galaxy are doing that with him and he's making another $75,000. But Sasha Kleschen took a huge pay cut in order to be on this LA Galaxy team this year. The man has set up roots in Southern California. He's from Huntington Beach. He lives uh, a little bit further south than that now, just a little bit. Um, so... He has set up roots here. There are really only two options for him if he wanted to keep playing, right? Um, at least in, in the MLS uh, level. He could either play for LAFC, he could play for the LA Galaxy. Uh, I have to imagine that Sasha Kleshin knew he was going to take this this league. This is a league senior minimum of $84,000. Uh, so that's the least amount you're allowed to pay him at $84,000. Sasha Kleshin took that. Just remember that. Just by, just got told by Dayan Jovalich that Sasha Kleshin is the hardest worker on the entire team. At 35 years old, Sasha, don't kill me if I get it wrong. 35 years old, um, maybe 36 now. So he is uh, he's doing this at the end of his career. 
He knows what he's doing. And like I said, maybe he's getting $75,000 more on the side. The Galaxy haven't said that, but it's perfectly legal if he's doing some coaching duties for one of the academy teams or stuff like that. He can't do any senior team coaching, but he can do academy team coaching and they can pay him up to $75,000 in order to do that. So it may be a good way to shift sort things around. We look at the top 50 players in Major League Soccer. Uh, it's Shakiri, by the way. Shakiri is the number one paid player uh, in Major League Soccer at $8.153 million. Uh, LA Galaxy, uh, Javier Hernandez is number two with $6 million. You have uh, Gonzalo Higuain at $5.7 million. Uh, basically, you can go down. Douglas Costa, I think, is the 16th or the 15th highest paid player. No, 16th highest paid player in Major League Soccer at the $3 million mark. And it sort of goes down there. The f- After number 50, which is Michael Bradley, who makes $1.5 million, it goes down to like $1.495 million after that. So $1.5 million uh, now means that you're still that you're uh, that you're still in the top 50 uh, for major league soccer players. So interesting. So if the LA Galaxy were going to go out and to sign a Max Tam player, they would be on this list at about the 1.6 uh 1, 1.62 1. 1.612,500. You're allowed to pay a million dollars over the max budget charge. All right? So that's uh that's sort of where we sit on the most expensive. Now, if we're looking at the LA Galaxy and how much money they spend, well, they're not the most expensive team. In Major League Soccer, Atlanta United beats them by about $400,000. But as we said, if the LA Galaxy get a max tan player, which we expect they will, they'll be put over that one point, that 21, possibly into the $22 million range um, and could push them over that. Uh, so the LA Galaxy are second. It goes Atlanta, LA, Miami, New England, Chicago, Seattle, New York, Toronto, Dallas, Columbus, LAFC. LAFC is playing with two designated players right now. You have to imagine they put in um, their third designated player and They'll jump up that list pretty fast. Cincinnati, uh, the club with the least uh, payroll is Real Salt Lake at $10.4 million. Charlotte at $10.7 million. Portland at $11.3 million, all right? So that's sort of where you put that. Now, one of the things that we can do with that information is to go ahead and say, okay, well, how much are you spending per point? Now, I would like to point out that even if the LA Galaxy win an MLS Cup and have a whole bunch of points, they still not do good on this chart. Um, there's just too many teams that do fairly well with not that much. Uh, but having said that real salt Lake is the best bang for your buck team. They have 19 points or they had 19 points before this was done before the midweek games. Uh, so they were spending $551,000 per point, basically 551, 466. Uh, if you go to the LA galaxy with their $20 million, they are 18th in the league spending $1,080,000, uh, per point. Um, in this uh, in this league. So Chicago is the worst, by the way. Chicago has 10 points or had 10 points whenever I did this, and they're spending $1.76 million per point. We can go quickly through the top spenders in the league at each position. The LA Galaxy lead all the others at the forwards position. Most of that is because Grand Sur, um, Cabral, Costa, Chicharito. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the forwards. Jovalich, those are all forwards. They're all in that. So those are technically listed as forwards. So they got LA Galaxy at $12.4 million on their forwards. Their midfielders, though, only 3.5 or $3.1 million whenever you look at this, right? You go into the we go into the midfield and you can say Chicago with with Shakiri, obviously, and they're at $11.8 million. Columbus at $9.7 million on their midfielders. The LA Galaxy, in terms of their spending on midfielders, because they spent so much money on quote unquote, the forwards, the LA galaxy in the midfield are like 25 plus Carlos Harvey's technically listed as a, 
as a defender slash midfielder. And so he's defender. I, I do a, a chart thing where basically I convert anybody that's listed at two, um, at two positions to the position that was listed first. And I don't do much more outside of that. So the LA galaxy at 25, uh, in the league in terms of midfielders, but number one, in terms of forwards, those two things sort of go hand in hand. So don't get too excited about it. The LA galaxy fourth in defensive spending on defenders, $4.1 million. New York city is spending $5.9 million. They're the number one. Seattle spends the least out of any team in major league soccer on defenders, $1.895 million. Just in case you wanted to, uh, to look at that. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Goalkeepers, uh, Philadelphia spends the most. Um, it's Andre Blake over at Philadelphia, isn't it? So $1.25 million. The LA Galaxy are 10th in the league, $810,000. Some of these teams only carry two goalkeepers. The LA Galaxy carry three senior team goalkeepers uh, with Richard Sanchez and Jonathan Klinsman and all that stuff. Um, <coughs> if you're looking at guys who are overpaid, you can look at cost at $3 million. Um, Cabral got a raise. I, I told you almost everybody got a raise. These are all contractual raises. They're all built into the contract, which basically says, oh, hey, in the second year of the contract, you get a $20,000 bump. You get a $150,000 bump. You get this much more money um, whenever you do it. So Sega Koulibaly got a $120,000 raise. Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to complain about that right now, but you might have last year if you knew it was coming, right? Uh, Raheem Edwards, we talked about $211,000 raise, but that was a new contract for him. Uh, you look at Sam Grancier, who got a $50,000 raise. You look at Kevin Cabral, who got a $210,000 raise. Again, this is not performance-based. These are numbers simply coming out of how the contract was structured, and as it keeps going down, those contracts keep increasing, right? The only way really to get better bang on your buck, listen, the LA Galaxy overpay for a lot of these guys. Um, it seems to be their MO, but the only way that you get, you know, the real advantage is this is like whenever you had Nick Depew last year, he was on his first, you know, sort of senior team contract. He was making, you know, let's see if we can go in here and find Nick Depew. Here he is. So he was making $81,000 last year, right? So you're like, oh man, what a deal at $81,000. That's great. That was the league senior minimum, I think at the time. So 81,375. Now he's making $231,000. So he got $118,000 raise. That's a new contract. But coming off of a guy who started a whole bunch of games, it's not like you're going to get him for free anymore. So this is what you're trying to do on these is, is you know, the idea is to have some up and comers that you're paying um, and that, you know, you, you're getting a lot more out of than what the uh, the total cost of their contract is. The problem is with the LA Galaxy, that's not necessarily the case. And when you look at guys like, uh, you know, Julian Araujo or Efrain Alvarez or Derek Williams, who's a TAM player, right? Those numbers that we see on there are not what the salary cap hit is either. So the LA Galaxy spending about $20.1 million, which is fairly similar to what they've been spending in the past. This is what we expected it to be. We don't um, we don't really expect uh, that it was going to be a whole bunch more. So um, that's where it is. It's funny because I see people talking about, you know, if Cabral, you know, what is Cabral's salary per goal? Well, I, I actually have that chart, but you can't do it because he hasn't scored a goal. Um, I guess that's funny. I'll actually bring the chart up. Um, so right now per game, they're spending, um, and we do this by games played. So basically, even if Chicha didn't play another game for the rest of this year, right? He's he's made so far, he's 12 games in, uh, he's made $500,000 per game, um, which is what he's making, right? Douglas Costa so far this year has made $272,000 per game. Uh, Kevin Cabral makes $137,500 per game. Uh, Chicha gets paid like $2,000 per minute right now with the minutes he's played. Costa gets paid $1,383 per minute. 
Uh, Kevin Cabral gets $844 per minute. And right now, Chicha is costing $423,000 per goal, and Douglas Costa is costing $485,000 per goal, right? Kevin Cabral is at infinity because he hasn't scored a goal. But when he does, he will be costing, you know, however many games it is in the season times how much you pay per game because you break it all down into the into the games um, and the games played. All right. So those are the uh, those are the charts that I have. That's sort of where we sit. Um, again, the big thing that I think is is something to pay attention to as we get ready to talk about this Houston game is the LA Galaxy's home form only nine points. Um, they're three wins, two losses in that. And uh, they have 11 points on the road, granted two more games. But, you know, you'd expect that on the road is a more difficult place to get points, but they are getting the points at a higher rate on the road than they are at home. Something to watch, something to keep an eye on. Uh, if you want to feel good about yourself, I'll make you feel good about yourself right now. The LA Galaxy at 20 points through 12 games are currently better than four out of the five. Um, technically, it's not three out of the five MLS cup winning years at this point, 12 games in right in 2002, the galaxy had 17 points, 12 games in, in 2005, the LA galaxy had 23 points. So three points better, uh, through 12 games in 2011, the LA galaxy had 20 points. So at the same, right? Uh, 11 points, uh, in 2012, 2012, a weird year. Don't use 2012 as any sort of marker of success. 2012 caught fire at about June, July, and just didn't stop winning. Uh, 2014, 17 points. Uh, in uh, through 12 games. So LA Galaxy at 20 points. By the way, last year, 2021, 24 points through 12 games. Remember, we were talking about that last year too. Keep it all in perspective. Um, Marty Griffin, by the way, gives us uh, gave us a, a $2 uh, super chat, says, thanks for the lesson, Professor Josh. Hopefully that helps. I know there's a lot of stuff in here. I literally could talk about like three hours of all these different things, roster mechanisms and U22 rules and what, actually happens whenever you have you know a u22 player and he's uh you know if you signed him when he was 19 then he only caught co- only costs one hundred and fifty thousand dollars against the cap but you're paying efrain alvarez six hundred thousand dollars by the way one of the larger spenders he got a pretty big raise um overall he got a hundred thousand dollar raise he was making five hundred thousand dollars last year he's making seven six hundred thousand dollars guaranteed seven hundred and twelve thousand dollars um and you know, the galaxy pay him that, but his cap hit is only $150,000 plus all the other stuff that they multiply by, by whenever they do it. Um, so anyway, that's where we sit in terms of this LA galaxy. There are plenty of overpaid contracts here. And I think most of you are going to say they're all overpaid. I don't have a problem with, mo- I don't like uh grand Sir's contract just at $988,000. And therefore you probably don't love Kevin Cabral's, but I also am, so the max TAM is 1.6 million, right? One six twelve five hundred, and Cabral sits at one point six five zero. But there's other things to take into account with transfers and stuff like that. So it doesn't look like they can buy down him into a TAM spot to open up a designated player spot. But don't completely count out something like that. Um, but trying to get a, a player out of you know like a U twenty two. Um, technically speaking, I think you have to hold players for two years into the U22 slots, so you can't just move them around for one year, um, but you can sell them outside the league. So if you're looking at a target, uh, there's two things that on this list I want to I want to take, um, which is uh, there's two things. Uh, with Ephra making $712,000 in uh, guaranteed, he is ripe for a transfer, right? That is a sellable number, which is like, hey, you make a lot of money, and we gave you a lot of starting time and it didn't work. And we could use that spot as a U22 spot and pay somebody else money. And we could probably sell you to achieve us down in Guadalajara for like a mm, million and a half dollars. And we'd probably be okay with that. 
right? So that's one. The other one is Jorge Viafania. We talked about him being on the season-ending injury list. The Galaxy are still responsible for paying his salary, and as of right now, his salary number hits the salary cap as well. When they brought in Chase Gasper, those numbers are fairly close together. You can imagine that Jorge Viafania may have seen his last time with the LA Galaxy. Right, so he'll move off, and Gasper will be his replacement on that. And they have Gasper until I think twenty twenty five. It's like a four year contract that Minnesota signed him to. LA Galaxy knew that whenever they signed him, so it's not like they can pretend you know that it wasn't. Some people have called that you know an outrageous uh, number. I have seen defender numbers creep upward uh, with some of the bigger signings. Whenever you have like the Walker Zimmermans and stuff like that, domestic defenders do fetch a lot more money. So keep an eye on that one as well. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to see if there's anything else. That's sort of where we're at. So again, the Galaxy have 30 on the roster, but they are able to, they technically only have 29. So just keep that in mind whenever you're trying to, uh, you know, move all this stuff around in your head uh, and try to figure out some of this stuff. Again, a lot of it's secret. So you don't know the answer to a lot of questions. We can't tell you how much general allocation money the LA Galaxy have because we never know how much they got. Uh, you know, we can sort of figure about how much TAM they have less Then we kind of know that they should have about, you know, enough for a max TAM player because of Derek Williams. Um, whenever they sign, they tell you how much it is, but you sort of have to pay attention to that. Uh, Michael Ramirez gives us a $2 super chat, says $700,000 for one foot. Efrain Alvarez is a lot. Somebody, added, I, I was going to say somebody in the discord told a really good joke about a McDonald's, um, but I'm going to leave it. And if you want to go in our discord, I'm sure somebody would fill you back in on that because they make that joke all the time. Um, links to our discord are always in the descriptions, either on the podcasts or on the, um, or on YouTube, however you want to find us and however you want to do that. We'd always welcome you to, uh, to hop on over and jump right in. Uh, always glad to have you. And, uh, we have almost, mm, we've like 920 people in the discord. We usually have about 20 or 30 people who are fairly active in there. And so there's always people talking galaxy. It's very rarely, um, dead except maybe right now, maybe they're all right here. Um, heard by the way, $20 super chat. Uh, I was going to say Herb, I've, I've been missing you. Uh, he says, hey, Josh, haven't been able to make the live show in a while. Hope the baby is doing well. He's sick again, Herb, but he's doing just fine. He was running around like crazy. I was teaching him how to draw on the iPad. It was a good time. Everybody enjoyed it. Uh, he says stuff like whenever I say, oh, buddy, you know, we can't go to Target and get donuts today because you have to go to school. He looks at me. He goes, oh, man. So you got to love that. That's a that's a fun, fun day at the park for sure. LA Galaxy facing off against the Houston Dynamo. Uh, that game comes up on Sunday. Haven't had a Sunday game in a little while, it feels like. Uh, Dignity Health Sports Park, uh, May 22nd, uh, a 5 p.m. start time, a 5.08 p.m. kickoff time. Game is on Spectrum Sportsnet and LAGalaxy.com. Please do not complain. I see people complaining. Do, don't complain. It is literally for free if you're in the LA Galaxy area, you can find it. If you're outside, you would have to have ESPN+. Plus. And why you don't have ESPN+, Plus, I don't know. Um, all right, so 5.08 p.m., uh, is, is whenever our kickoff time is, please don't, please don't ask. You're going to ask, but please don't ask me. I, I, I literally, I tell you every week when kickoff is it's in our discord. I tweet it out. Like I have graphics that say it. I, I am the one person who tells you what time the game starts every week. It is out there every single time. Stop asking me. It's five. By the way, you, you can learn these formulas. What time does the game start? Well, it starts at 5 p.m. Who has the game? It's Spectrum. It's not a national TV game. No, Spectrum is always eight minutes after the whenever the start is. There you go. I have solved your problem. Okay. Plus, it's on the MLS website. Literally go to MLSsoccer.com. You click on the schedule. You click on the game and it'll go in there. And at the very top, it'll say this game is at 5 p.m. And then underneath it'll be like 5.08 p.m. That's how it does. So, yeah, that's where we're at. So, 5.08 p.m., uh, Nikki K., Joe Totino, Kobe Jones on that. 
Um, Pete Vianis maybe will learn how to say players' names soon. Um, he called Depew Depuy. Um, and I don't know what people are trying to do with Julian Araujo's name. Just just call him Julian Araujo. Just please, Ravellison. Ravellison. Uh, that was the Minnesota announcers were calling Ravellison. Remember when we were doing that? Yeah, we're not doing that anymore because that's not his name. Um, anyway, that's where we're uh, that's where we're at. Uh, by the way, Mr. Provino, uh, five dollar super chat says school's out. Uh, yeah, it almost is. Uh, my oldest, who is in uh, Colorado, is just about done. So excited for that too. Uh, there we go. <sighs> Want to talk about Houston? Let's talk about Houston. Let me grab my preview sheet over here. I have, th- by the way, I just would like to point out, like these are all my notes for tonight. I have a ton of notes. Like. Here, I, if you're on the podcast, these these are all my notes for tonight, and I did this all today at work. Um, if I get fired, you guys will know why. Uh, LA Galaxy six four and two twenty points going up against. Uh, that's not that's not my, the right sheet. Let's let's find the right sheet. I was I was just about I was gonna say that doesn't look right at all. That's the Real Salt Lake one, and how did that one get over here? Does that mean I threw out the good one? That would be stupid of me, wouldn't it? Wow, I may have done that. That is impressive, even for me. I was just bragging about my notes, and here I am. No preview sheet. Did I, like, throw it on the ground or something like that? No? Okay. Okay, I got it. It's okay. I found it. Uh, six, four, and two for the LA Galaxy. 20 points. Four, five, and three. 15 points for uh, the Houston Dynamo. Three, two, and oh at home. Nine points for the LA Galaxy on the road. Uh, Houston won three, and oh, three points. Uh, on the road. It's just one road win, no draws. They've had four games on the road. This is one of the things Greg Vanny pointed out. Oh, can I, can I, can we go all the way back? By the way, Greg Vanny was really ticked off about the throw in and about how uh, Jair Marufo didn't allow the LA Galaxy's uh, uh, Daniel Aguirre to get on the field before he blew the whistle. And so the Galaxy were basically chasing that last throw in. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'd just like to point that out. Go listen to the, to Greg Vanny. He was, he was sort of like, I was a little ticked off about that. He was more than a little ticked off, you could tell. Um, Last five games for the LA Galaxy, 2-2-1, two, two and one, seven points, 1-4-0, uh, oh, one, one win, four losses, zero draws for the Houston Dynamos. So keep that in mind. Galaxy are fourth in the Western Conference, seventh in the Supporter Shield, eighth in the Western Conference, 15th in the Supporter Shield for the Houston Dynamos. Galaxy are winners of just two of their last five, and we said one in the last five for Houston. Uh, the last win for Houston, though, came 5-14 against Nashville at home. Uh, I watched the highlights of that game, and I watched some of that game whenever it was happening, too. Uh, they got lucky in that game, um, and Nashville did not play particularly well. So I don't know how much you can take about it, and then they just lost to Seattle one nothing. They did not get lucky in that game. Um, Seattle was fairly uh, fairly confident on stranglehold on them. Um, but uh, the Coco... Carrasquillo uh, got will miss this game for the against the LA Galaxy. He has a red card. He got two yellows in the game against Seattle, uh, and that's good because he's actually uh, Carrasquillo is, is a pretty good player for Houston. I, I like Houston. I think they're better than what their record shows, um, but they also just fall into these lulls. They love to get guys in the box, but on occasion they do not. They don't. They don't get anything going. They don't generate a lot of offense. They're a lot like the LA Galaxy. By the way, they've outscored the LA Galaxy. Have I told you about the LA Galaxy's offense? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I haven't. I haven't told you about the LA Galaxy offense. Um, so the LA Galaxy's offense has scored 13 goals this season. I told you Houston, I think, has scored 14. Um, only six teams have scored fewer. Only six teams have scored fewer goals than the LA Galaxy. So the Galaxy are tied for like seventh in overall offense. 
Uh, we talked about defense before uh, and and away games and that type of thing, but an overall offense. So RSL, SKC, Vancouver, Miami, uh, Chicago, and Charlotte. Tell me which of those teams you think are are good teams. RSL might be a good team. SKC is certainly not a good team right now. In fact, they're having a, they're having some craziness going on. But there are only six teams that have scored fewer. This the problem with the LA Galaxy is not the defense. The problem is the is the offense, and that's what needs to change in this game. Uh, and I think Houston will abide by that a little bit. Um, so we'll see if that is indeed the case uh, coming up against this game. I'll tell you one thing that's scary. Um, not safe for work coming up here in, in just a second. Uh, if you have small children, cover their ears, cover their eyes. Uh, they're not going to want to know about this one. Uh, the LA Galaxy are favored in this game. Uh, as a matter of fact, they're favored by a lot. Uh, 538 has them a 62% chance to win. Only New York City over Chicago is the higher one, 67%. 62% chance for the LA Galaxy to beat Houston. I hate it whenever it is this this sweeps right from one to the other. 62 to 14. 24% chance of a draw. This just screams upset so many times. Um, so it's, again, it's, it, let's put it into perspective. Should the LA Galaxy win this game? Yes. Uh, outside of question marks right now. And there's going to be media availability on Friday. So this is Thursday night, Friday, uh, mid morning. Uh, there's media availability in person. I don't know if I'll make it out there. If I do, I'll give you an update. Questions about Sasha Kleshin, questions about Raheem Edwards. Edwards came out of the game. Um, I, it looked like more like a cramp than anything. So I wasn't overly concerned. Um, but you don't know because he just came off an injury and you hope that there wasn't a regression there. Um, so you'll see who's available for the Houston game. Plus, we talked about it. Does Greg Vanny rotate this game? I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's rotating um, at all. I think he's going to keep his same lineups going right through the U.S. Open Cup and into Austin, and he's going to do it because he has three weeks off at the backside of it. So it's going to be all or nothing, which means I expect that a lot of teams are going to do that, and I expect Houston to be tired and drawn out and not a very good game. Listen, one of the reasons the Minnesota game was not good was because Minnesota was tired too. <laughs> the Galaxy were tired. Um, everybody's going to be exhausted through the stretch. The LAFC game that gets played hopefully will be the most exciting one, and that's just going to be because of uh, pure adrenaline. So uh, let's see how Greg Vanny rotates, and if he rotates, um, I'll give you updates on that, and otherwise we'll see you out there on Sunday. All right. You know, American Blue says nobody fears the Galaxy anymore. It's not true. Um it's, it's not the same fear that it used to be, right? It wasn't like, oh my God, it's the LA Galaxy. They're going to build, they're going to beat us. But this year, the LA Galaxy's defense and the way that they play makes it very difficult on teams. It's one of the reasons you've seen so many ugly, ugly games, right? That's one of the reasons it is. Um, so we're going to see where this all sort of falls out uh, with the Galaxy, whether defense can hold. Um, because there were certainly a lot of people who were screaming, the defense sucks and it's horrible. Um, and against Minnesota, it wasn't great. Um, but at the same time, Minnesota played some really good offensive side outside of their finishing. Um, so we're going to see. And I, I think Nick DePew in there that also hurt the LA Galaxy. All right, let's see if that uh, sort of settles everything. And uh, the LA Galaxy will play against uh, the Houston Dynamo coming up again. Uh, the game's at 5 p.m. It's on Sunday. Uh, 5.08 p.m. is kickoff. Spectrum Sportsnet, LAGalaxy.com is where you can find it. All right, ESPN Plus, if you're outside those coverage areas, you should have, probably have ESPN Plus. I hope that everybody, I, I knew, you know, I know this is, some of this stuff can be dry and boring, especially whenever you look at salaries. I, I implore you to go to cornerofthegalaxy.com. I have an article up there. The article's not the important part. I put all the charts in there. Um, so go look at all the charts. Go see what people are making. Go see the differences in, in you know, raises and salaries and everything else. Um, so 
you know, this is, this is, it's, it's, it's important that I think you understand this because you can never judge a deal. Um, and you can never judge a deal until you know how much everything costs. Right. And then once you know something costs, then you can judge a deal. Well, with Douglas Costa now, we know he makes $3 million a year. Is he making enough? Is he not making enough? Is he making too much? You know, those types of things are now, now there. All right. All right. There we go. I think we're all set. Uh, if you want to come say hi to me at the game, I am usually down at the bottom of the press box steps at halftime. So you go to the top of section 108 and the press box steps end right there. Um, and I usually come down there at halftime and say hi. So if you want to come over there, I say hi to a lot of people in our discord. Um, some friends that I say hi to every halftime. There's a nice little circle of people there that discuss the halftime and, and do all that. And then for away games, for the most part, I've been on uh, Twitter spaces at halftime talking about the halftime as well. All right. That's where we're at. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, you know, we're on Spotify and all the places you can find us. All right, that's it. Enough for me. Solo show done. Uh, hopefully you learned a little bit about salaries and some of the fun things that are out there in terms of uh, mechanisms and different things and why it's complicated and stuff like that. And, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody gets it. All right. All right. Hey, uh, let's uh, let's get out of here. Let's do it. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at JGESMAN, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can find all of our articles, our videos, all that fun stuff is right there for you. So head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Go to our Discord, subscribe, like, like the videos, all that fun stuff. Tell your friends about us. That's how we grow. Been around here. This is season number 14. 14 for me. Woohoo! Fun time. All right, so uh, please go do that. Cornerofthegalaxy.com, all that fun stuff. All right, I'll see you out at the game on Sunday. LA Galaxy Houston coming up on Sunday, May 22nd. 5.08 p.m. is your kickoff time. Spectrum Sports Center, LAGalaxy.com. For everybody here at Corner of the Galaxy, I'm Josh Pato Gessman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Peace out. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.